This is Jim Laws along with Nat Ayers, and this is the Gospel is for All Internet Radio Broadcast. And we are brought by brought to you by the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. Whenever you're in Tyler, I hope that you'll take the opportunity to come by and visit with us, either at one of our Bible studies or our worship services. We meet every Sunday for Bible study at nine and worship at ten. And then Sunday evening at 6, and Wednesday evening midweek Bible study at 7 o'clock. You'll always find a very warm and cordial invitation to worship with the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler. It's always a, a privilege for us, Nat and I, to be with you and study with you about the Word of God. And I hope you have your Bible so that you can turn to some of the passages that we'll be referencing today. Uh, we've been looking at the righteousness of God uh, that has been revealed, and we took this from Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, and I'd like to turn to that passage as we begin today and talk a little bit more about the righteousness of God being revealed and what that means. One of the things that we'd have to say about the righteousness of God being revealed is that God's wrath has been revealed. In Romans 1.16, our Bible passage tells us for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith unto faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And then verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And so we started with our study looking at Romans 1, 16 and 17, and then we started our discussion about the wrath of God and how important it is to understand that particular matter, and a number of important uh, points were made about that. Nat, I'd like for us to maybe review and conclude our discussions about the wrath of God, how that it is inevitable upon the ungodly and the rebellious, by looking at Revelation chapter 19, and you may want to read that for us about verse 11. It's a Bible passage that in very picturesque language speaks about the wrath of God coming upon the ungodly. And I know that this is not a subject that's often discussed, and it might even be a subject that is somewhat distasteful to some, but it is a reality and something that we need to consider carefully. When the Bible says something once, then that makes it important. But when the Bible says something over and over again, then we better double down and really come to a proper understanding of the subject at hand. The subject that we're talking about for the present is the wrath of God. And I thought of this verse, Nat, Revelation 19, starting yep. at about verse 11. Yep. And uh, you may read on down through 16 or however sure. long you'd like to read and make whatever comments you think will help us understand this verse better, but it surely is in symbolic terms, figurative expressions, talking about the great wrath of God. All right, thank you, Jim. It's good to have you back, uh, listeners, with us, and uh, as we sort of wrap up this this uh, idea of the wrath of God and uh, be moving on, but um, this passage in uh, Revelation 19, as Jim said, is a very vivid imagery of uh, the revelation John had of what the the final wrath of God would look like and um, be like. It, 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 it is definitely very vivid, and it's something we should pay close attention to. Verse 11, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. 
the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on uh, white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, you read these passages, and of course, you know, the is it the hymn of the Republic, Jim, that I'm thinking of, that, that uh, was sang during um, Civil War times and all, that dealt with the uh, fury, you know, they... This part here, he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. And there's a coming a time and a day where the fury and the wrath of God is going to be unleashed. And and Christ, as we see in the New Scripture or in the New Testament, so many want to uh, paint him with just a brush of uh, almost just uh, of a soft savior of a uh, you know a only sweet, nice Savior, and yes, uh, our, our Christ is a loving Savior, but He's also a Savior that's going to do what His Father's commanded. He's going to carry out uh, what His Father's commanded, and we see here that in this imagery, we see our Savior on, on the day of judgment, or the day that, that God's wrath will be poured out. Uh, he's He is a active agent in, in that uh, judgment, and He will... Uh, Bring about the wrath of God upon those who uh, are unfaithful. But we see here also that there are those in his army that are going to be clothed in white arraignment uh, in verse 14 who are following him on white horses. There are those that are going to escape uh, the wrath of God. Those that that uh, who have been clothed in white, who have been washed of their sins. And uh, to me... You know, I am thankful to to God for his saving grace, for Christ's blood that has washed me of my sins. And partly, one of the reasons why I'm so thankful is that I, you know, I do not want to suffer the wrath of God. I want to be in heaven is one of the reasons I became an obedient child of God. But the other side of that, Jim, is, I did not want to receive the wrath that I know is coming. And it's so true, Matt, and I, I think that's something everybody ought to think about, yeah. and that is avoiding the great wrath of God to, uh, because it's very obvious here. Uh, the imagery here is Jesus is portrayed as a warrior riding victoriously upon a white horse, yes. and his great judgment and wrath has come upon the wicked. Uh his anger is like unmixed, undiluted wine. It's full strength. Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking about that of chapter 14 and verse 10, the image is used there. He also will drink the wine of God's wrath, yeah. poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels 
and in the presence of the Lamb. Now again, that's Revelation 14.10. That dovetails into what we're talking about from Revelation 19.11-16 that Matt has read for us. And notice also, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, verse yes. 13, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. So I never really understood, Nat, uh, the blood there. It might be uh, the blood of his enemies yeah. uh, as it is a picture. And, of course, it's a symbolic reference uh, of the matter of Jesus being the judge and the wrath of God coming upon the wicked. Uh, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Uh, some might think, well, it's his own blood right. and uh, salvation, and, and I can understand that as well. But from the figure of a warrior conquering his enemies, yeah. it just seems from the portrayal of the symbol that the blood has reference to the blood of his enemies. Right. Uh, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And, uh, of course, uh, his anger is uh, full force. And you're talking about, you know, I became a Christian because I don't want to face the wrath of God, and that's a good motivation yeah. right there. I, I've had that same thought myself. Yeah. And the idea is I don't want to face the full fury. And, and yes. I think that's some part of what this passage is saying. The wicked are going to face that. It's not a diluted, watered-down form it is the full fury of God. And that's just something I don't want. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you saw, you've seen on television, uh, you know, on the weather channels and things like that, they they show us sometimes uh, videos and pictures of a tornado and the yes. devastation that a tornado has. And, and you all <laughs> and your family know yeah. and from real experience how devastating a yes. tornado can be. And we're awestruck at the power, the destructive yeah. nature, the, the tre tremendous amount of devastation that comes from such. Think about God's fi uh, fiery anger yeah. and, and wrath undiluted. Yeah. I mean, the full force of that coming upon the way is hard for me to get a handle on. And I think maybe this Revelation 19, 11 through 16 may be the, one of the best passages to help us look at that matter. Absolutely. You know, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. You know, as you're saying, uh, that tornado. We we just got the side winds of it in F three, and right. and and we were all. You know, that's what we we're praying that we wouldn't be hit with the full force of it. Yeah. And I can, you know, you talk about those like F five storms up in Moore, Oklahoma, and all that. Yeah. Just total. Right. You know, they got the full force of that tornado. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to look like uh, a walk in the park compared to God's fury poured out on this uh, earth, really? and. Uh, really? We, it, but here's the deal, you know, just like uh, with those tornadoes, uh, we only had about a 30 second uh, get ready and move type of a scenario to get protected. We know it's coming. It, it, you know, if you are, a, uh, if you have a mind that you can study God's word and read and understand, you know it's coming. Yeah. And you know that, that that wrath one day is going to be poured out. We don't know when that storm is coming. But you have a way to protect yourself. Yeah. Christ is that way. You can either choose to have the wrath poured out on you, or you can be one of the one ones clothed in white and be safe from that fury. You know, if if you, we knew an F five was coming right here for us, Jeff, Jim, 
and we had a day to plan for it, guess what? I wouldn't be right here. Yeah. I'd be somewhere else. Yes, exactly. And so you have we have the ability to know that that wrath is coming. That shows that we have a loving, patient, long-suffering God that doesn't want uh, us to have to suffer that wrath. But it's up to us to, to take shelter. And I, I think that's a good point to consider, Nat. I'd like for us to look at that from the standpoint of God's grace. Yes. We can look at the other side of this coin, and and one side of the coin talks about the great fury of God, the wrath yeah. of God upon the wicked and those who refuse to, to repent, those who refuse to do the will of God. But then there's the other side of this coin, those who do repent and recognize the love of God and respond to it. There's grace to be received Absolutely. from God. So let's talk a little bit in the time that we have left uh, uh, today, and let's talk a little bit about the grace of God. And that, that surely is one of the great uh, Bible doctrines, and, and you see that so much in the pages of the New Testament. And, and I think maybe in the book of Romans it may be talked about more than uh, any other passage. So with our discussion about the righteousness of God being revealed, that revealing wrath, the righteousness of God being revealed, also includes God's grace. So, uh, in Titus chapter 2, Nat, you have a, a passage there, and I, I think that it might be good for us to read that to start our discussion about the grace of God. Titus 2, beginning in verse 11, and continuing on through about verse 14 or 15. And um, why don't we start there, and I hope those of you who are home and listening to us uh, on your internet, I hope that you'll turn to the pages of your Bible and read along with us, or you might want to make notes and write these passages down so that you can study them in the confines of your own home and reflect upon them seriously. We're in Titus 2, and the passage that we're considering is verses 11 through 14, and we're looking at the righteousness of God that has been revealed, and part of that would have to include God's grace. All right. Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the, pre in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Um, we look at this passage and we see that uh, the grace of God has appeared and what with it, it, it brought salvation for all people. Uh, now, grace, and I, I see this as, uh, you know, we think of grace as something, or I think a lot of the world thinks as grace is something that is just, just given, and it does, you know, other than salvation, that's his job. It's just given grace, and that's it. But in verse 12, it says, Training us, grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, Jim, if, if grace, you know, we've heard it uh, said that, you know, these folks that believe, for example, that uh, grace uh, saves us and there's nothing that can happen once that, you know, nothing can take away that salvation. Well, grace, if, if we look at grace and what it does for for us, 
Well, if we're we're honest and true and and thankful for that grace, then we're going to allow our lives to be trained uh, against ungodliness, against worldly passion. We're going to want to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives for all that's been done for us. We're going to want to to change our lives, and so grace itself trains us to renounce these things. Uh, and it says, waiting for our blessed hope. Um, you know, we are saved by grace, yes, but we we are saved by grace. Uh, as long as we continue to be transformed, continue to change, continue to repent of uh, our old lives, we cannot stay the same after we've um, been forgiven of our sins. We cannot just remain the old man. And so I find that interesting that grace trains us. Yeah. Well, I think you're right there, and it's good to point that out, Matt. Uh I think the first thing that I see here along with you in verse 11 is, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Yes. Potentially, Potentially yeah. there is grace for everyone. Yes. And that's amazing, uh, God's willingness to forgive and uh, to turn his wrath away and give us his loving kindness and favor and blessing even though we're guilty of sin. There yes. is potentially grace for everyone. Yes. But not everyone is going to be saved. That's right. We already know that. That's right. uh, in fact, uh, you and I have studied several times this passage, Matthew seven twenty one. Yes. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then verse 23. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Yes. And so it would be a contradiction of many other passages to say everybody's going to be saved. That's right. That would contradict other Bible passages as per the one we just read, Matthew seven twenty one through 23. So when he's saying there in Titus 2, 11, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, he is saying potentially each and every person can have the grace of God and avoid the wrath of God by, as you pointed out, submitting to God's will. Yes. Uh, now, that's not what, as you pointed out, and I'm glad you brought it up, that's what not what everybody believes about grace. No. Uh, as you pointed out, some people will say, well, everybody's going to get it. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord yeah. and receive the grace of God. That's not what the Bible teaches. No. It simply is not. And uh, it's the Calvinistic notion that uh, God's going to save just the elect and that you're going to get salvation whether you like it or not, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're going to get uh, salvation regardless of how you live. But that kind of concept certainly is not a part of biblical faith. Now, that other point that you raised there, Nat, let's work on that, that, uh, that training. For the yes. grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training or teaching us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. When he says the grace of God has appeared, Yes. What he means by that is they're through Jesus Christ. Jesus well, Christ has appeared. 
And uh, he sang, For the grace of God has appeared. What has appeared was God, by grace and favor, sent his Son so that all men could be saved if they will obey the Son. Right. If they will turn to the Son out of obedient faith. Now to the point of training. Uh, the only way you're going to know about this grace is by being instructed. That's right. Let's by study. reading about it. By studying. That's the, that's the point. Nat, there's a great verse, and I know you know it. But if you would turn to John 8 and verse 32, I, I'd like for you to take just a moment and maybe read that uh, for us. Uh, and just as soon as you read it, I know that a lot of people will recognize it because it's a very famous passage. Yeah. John 8 and verse 32. Right. But it tells us something very important there about this instruction and training. All right. Yep. Everyone should know this passage. 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yep. And that's the point. Only the truth will do that. Yep. Only the truth's going to set you free. Free from what? Yep. Free from the guilt of sin. And that's yep. what we're talking about. The grace of God setting us free from the guilt of sin, avoiding the great wrath of God. But now, how are you going to learn about that truth? Yeah. The only way you're going to learn about that truth is by studying God's Word. Now, there's an interesting Old Testament passage on this. I'm going to take a minute to just read it and study it with you. And that's in Isaiah chapter 2. In Isaiah 2, he was prophesying about the New Testament age there. And I find the prophets fascinating. I don't think we study them as much as we uh, as much as we should, but at any rate, it's something that we should carefully consider. And the second chapter of Isaiah is a good prophecy about the church and a good prophecy about the work of Christ and the day of grace that we're studying about at the present. Nat, if you have that, Isaiah chapter 2, an Old Testament passage, and I was thinking primarily verse 3, but you may want to read for us verses 1 through 3 so we get the entirety of the context. Sure. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos said concerning Judah and uh, Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established at the highest, as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many peoples shall come and say, uh, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Yeah, the point that I was thinking about, and the reason I thought about this is that last phrase there in verse 3, for that he may teach us his ways. Yes. And he's, he's talking about the this dispensation that we're living in. Uh, notice verse 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days. Yeah. Paul, Peter used that very phrase in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 that these were the latter days, this Christian dispensation. We're in it. We're in the latter days now. And we're going to learn about God's grace. We're going to study it from the pages of the Bible. The access to God's grace is by means of revelation. Uh, again, Paul said, For the grace of God has appeared instructing us or teaching us or training us. You know, Nat, Christianity is a taught religion. Yes. Only the truth will set us free. And the only way that we can really come to a knowledge of the truth is to study God's word. You'll remember Jesus said in John 6 and verse 45, It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God, everyone that hath heard from the Father, and hath learned, cometh unto me. 
again, that Bible passage is John 6 and 45. Um, I'm, just, um, I'm just amazed at how many people uh, have such a false notion about the grace of God that they can think that God's grace can be dispensed without instruction. Right. Uh, God's grace is not dispensed apart from instruction. Yeah. It is joined with understanding, and as you pointed out, it is joined with obedience. Yeah. And the only way to receive the grace of God is by learning about it from the pages of the Bible. Now, we need to stop just for a minute here on, on this, Nat, and, and think a little bit about it, because you and I are living in a day in which there's almost a stampede to push people into the church. Uh, there's almost a stampede. By that I mean, you know, just take people and convince them you're already saved. Or yeah. you, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do yeah. uh, to receive the grace of God is somehow acknowledge Jesus as your own personal Savior, yeah. and that you're automatically... Or, in the church of the Lord, you're automatically in the kingdom. Yeah. That's certainly not the well, case. Well, you know, going back to you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, you reverse that. If you do not know the truth, how can you be set free from uh, this world and the sin of this world? If you don't know the difference, if you don't know uh, what God's plan is for you, what he's offered you, what where we're going, how, how do you know, uh, or how can you be free? You shall know the truth, and and once you know the truth, you shall be set free. Um, it is uh, our salvation is contingent upon knowing what it is that God wants for us, what what He has in store for us. You know, how can we uh, know where we're going if we've never consulted the road map? You know, how can we start out on a trip and you don't have a map? Well, how do you know where you're going? You don't know where you're going if you don't have any idea of, of where it is that you're uh, traveling and so if you have no knowledge of truth or what god wants for your life how do you know you're saved how can you possibly know you're saved if you don't know what god has said about salvation that's so true i think i think the point that really uh comes to my mind about that is uh, we've got to be careful because almost with a very minimal comprehension of what God wants a person to do, we say, okay, you're fine. <laughs> right. I mean, with just a very little bit of understanding, yeah. very minimal, yeah. that's good enough. Yeah. Uh, when in reality it's not good enough. It's We've got not. to know what God wants us to do. I knew a Air Force, retired Air Force pilot one time. He said he never got into a plane. He flew those big jumbo jets yeah. and that kind of thing across the uh, on the other side of the world. He said we knew exactly where we were going and how to get there. Before we before ever, left. ever left the ground. That's right. He said, well, you don't just get up there and fly around. Well, that's right. When you get in a car, I might drive around, try to find my place and yeah. find my way, and I might get turned around a little bit, but not so in a deal like that, and not so with regard to salvation. Yeah. I've used that even with our young people. We're not going to Disney World. It's a matter of heaven or hell. Right. Do you, yeah. you know where you're going. Do we know where we're going? And if you don't, then how do you know you're saved? Well, Jim, uh, I've enjoyed being with you this uh, half hour, and we... Uh, thank you for listening in, and we hope that you will join us again next week.